I'm Euro. I'm Chris. And this is Fork Bomb. Wednesday, September 6, 2017, episode 16, Tech Documentaries. Where's Eric, you ask? Well, Eric is currently preparing for the uh, hurricane, Hurricane Irma, that's coming at us. That's why he's not here right now. But he'll be back next episode. Yep. Uh, Hurricane Irma, it's on its way. Uh, we, I live in the south of Florida, and so um, we're we're uh, putting sandbags around our house, or uh, at least the back of the house where it tends to flood more, and uh, putting up the hurricane shutters and everything. So uh, I've been busy doing that and uh, moving stuff inside, uh, making sure there's no debris that could be uh, that could be that could fly around uh, like a projectile. So, um, yeah, we've been busy doing that. So, but the good thing is that I still had some time to watch some of the documentaries. Um, so I don't have that much to pick up. So (laughs) that's why I had enough time. I live in an apartment and I'm going to go to my parents in Summerfield where they have a water pump and generator and can live off the grid for a little while if they need to. So I'm going to take advantage of their preparedness and not do any of my own. Do they also have a bunker? (laughs) (laughs) This is exciting. This is our first podcast where we have a topic that was submitted to us as feedback, as a a suggestion. And we were more than happy to do it, and it was really fun. Uh, So wanted to say thank you to Jamie Bainbridge, who suggested on our Facebook page that we do an episode about um, our favorite um, retro computing documentaries. The suggestions were uh, Cringely's Triumph of the Nerds, Code Rush, Revolution OS, The Internet's Own Boy, as well as some uh, fictional stuff. We didn't get all of that, but we did get a few. We had fun making it. And as I always tell you, uh, Euro, I'm mainly in this just as a creative outlet for us. It was certainly nice to have the feedback. So, Jamie, this one is for you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jamie. We really appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate all the comments. Um, we've been uh, we've been busy watching documentaries and and things like that. Uh, we did get a chance to watch uh, a couple or a few, um, uh, some together, some not together. But uh, uh, overall, we we had a, a great experience uh, just just watching them. I had seen some of them already. Actually, we both had seen. Uh, Chris, I know you and I had seen. Uh, Triumph of the Nerds, um, hosted by Bob Cringely. Um, we'd seen that back in college, so uh, we didn't really watch it again. I watched it again last week. Oh, did you? Yep. Oh, that's great. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so Bob Cringely actually made another documentary called Nerds 2.0.1, um, and that one has a lot to deal with the the internet and uh, the the rise of the internet uh, during that time. Uh, I know Triumph of the Nerds was more focused on just the the beginnings of of uh, the computer industry and and kind of it, it it went all the way to about uh, the mid '90s. And so this one kind of picked up from there, and it takes you to the that early uh, internet phase that we had. So uh, it's another great documentary. It's another three parter, and I. I recommend it to anybody. Uh, so um, I'm sure we'll have it in our show notes. There's some, uh, the, the links are, uh, uh, the video is available on YouTube. So the, the all three parts. 
um, which is actually where we watched all of our uh, documentaries. So at least I did. <laughs> yeah, so big thanks to YouTube, too, for providing it. Do you know uh, which which companies Nerds 2.0.1 covered? I don't know for sure. Uh, I don't remember. It's uh, It's been a while. Um, I wanted to say Netscape, but uh, I think I'm getting that confused with Code Rush, which was another documentary that um, Jamie had suggested, which we did watch. But I'm, uh, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and, and, and check. I remember it being three parts. <laughs> it was quite long, and they discussed a lot of different topics, like the uh, search engine craze. You remember Alta Vista and uh, Lycos, uh, Hotbot, Excite, Yahoo, everybody. Uh, back then, everybody seemed to have a uh, some sort of search page, uh, which actually, I want to ask, uh, which one did you use the most back then, Chris? I think Lycos mostly. Lycos, okay. I think I went to uh, dogs. Lycos and then uh, maybe Dogpile briefly and then went straight to Google. Okay. You know, I actually didn't know about Google until uh, until about 1999, 2000-ish, when I went to my high school's uh, media center and all their computers were set up to go to Google. Uh, they had Google as their, as their homepage. And uh, that was the first time I ever tried Google as a search engine. Um, well, I guess, I guess that's all it was back then. Um, tried it. I saw that the results uh, closely matched to what I was looking for, and that's it. That's all I needed. And, uh, well, even to the day, it's still my homepage. Mostly because I just forget to set another homepage. Um, but uh, but I, I like it. I, I do use it uh, quite a bit. But... Um, before Google, I was using AltaVista a lot, and uh, that seemed to be pretty relevant, although not as relevant as Google. And before AltaVista, I was using Yahoo a lot. So those were my three main uh, search pages, and I actually went uh, from one to another. I wasn't using both at the same time or anything like that. I would just, as soon as I found a, a search engine that was that would show me more relevant results, I would just completely uh, move on to that one and leave the other one behind. So uh, the great thing about it is, though, is that um, about having some of these search pages, especially the uh, Yahoo, and that was my first uh, search engine, like I had mentioned, uh, is that I actually still use my Yahoo ID from way back when. So my my last, and this is back then when it was really cool to put numbers at the end of your username. So my my username had a 16 at the end because I was 16 at the time when I was using uh, that <laughs> that user ID. And I still have it today. And well, it still has that 16 on it. So yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was something. And then I created another username. Um, this one, it was mostly because I had seen the movie Hackers and I thought it was so cool. Um, so I had chosen the username, uh, which I don't even use it anymore. So I can't even remember the password, uh, but it was, uh, something like chaos, uh, chaos with like a zero, uh, one, uh, you know, 1001, uh, something like that. It, it just reminded me of that movie, you know, and people having crazy user IDs, usernames like, uh, like acid cool. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I know we're deviating off topic, but, uh, it's fun to talk about this stuff. I can only imagine how much unfiltered unfiltered spam you have in those those Yahoo accounts. Tons, tons. Yes, uh, actually, they got better later on uh, with their uh, with the junk filters. 
Uh, but back then, yeah, it was just uh, every other day you had to go in there, pick them off, and then delete them. Um, that was just a, a thing. And especially since back then you didn't get that much space. So uh, we were on um, Nerds 2.0.1 and uh, talking about search engines is what got us here. Um, I'm def- I-, I didn't see that one. I'm definitely going to have to watch it, though. I, um, it only seems fitting since uh, Crinsley said he would see us again in 10 years, but then came back uh, very much sooner than that for a, a- another uh, documentary. Uh, you want to do uh, Code Rush or the original Triumph of the Nerds? Well, I was just thinking maybe Bob Pringley has a different way of telling time than we do, you know, or or he lives in another planet where time goes by faster, like in that Voyager episode. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, after that, we, uh, well, not after that, but uh, we did end up watching Code Rush. Uh, we didn't watch that one together, but uh, I think you watched your uh, Code Rush after, like a day after I did. I uh, watched it. I just finished watching it about 30 to 45 minutes ago. Um, since it was only an hour, you think? I came home after work and watched it. And I think it was my favorite of the documentaries uh, that uh, that I watched. Oh, yeah? Even more than Triumph of the Nerds? I'd say it's on par. Uh, Triumph of the Nerds was fun, but it's long. Code Rush was like a nice, short little jaunt, and then it was done. And I really enjoyed it. I I like how it discussed the history of how Netscape open-sourced their their code, how they how they took a go at making a business out of having open-source software, how they ultimately failed at it, unfortunately, but um, I'm glad that they did it because it, it went on to become what we now know as, as Firefox. And while they didn't cover that part, that's what happened to Mozilla. I also had a lot of fun watching everyone's screens because they were all using Linux or Unix of some sort. There was one where one guy was working on an IREX workstation, and I just found uh, that whole history uh, really fascinating. And there were some really uh, profound parts. Um, If you don't mind, I would like to play a brief moment uh, from it. Yeah, go ahead. We're at the beginning of an industry, and, and who knows where that industry is going to go. This could all turn into television again. It could be controlled by a small number of, 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 uh, of companies who, who decide what we see and hear, and there's a lot of precedent for that. See, that was Jamie Zawinski, and he featured prominently in Code Rush, along with, uh, with, with contributing to uh, Mozilla. He also contributed to other free software projects like uh, XEMacs, and he is currently the maintainer for X Screensaver, which is a screen blanking software for Unix and Linux, which I still use to this day. But um, I just found it uh, kind of prophetic that he was saying um, this is an interesting industry, and sure, it's uh, diverse now, but it could soon be controlled just by a few large entities like, like television is. And I think he was right. Yeah, I mean, during that time, uh, Microsoft was already, they already uh, had Internet Explorer, and they were well on their way in Internet Explorer. Uh, so uh, I believe they were in version three or four when the, the documentary was made. That's that's one big entity, and that still controls Internet Explorer today and, and, and the Edge browser. And then we have Google with their, with their Google Chrome browser. Um, I am not quite sure who, who, uh, 
who actually supports Firefox? Is it the Mo- Mozilla Foundation? Yep. Or okay, but it's not just browsers. It's ISPs. It's right. Um, online shopping. It's yep. How we how we interact with each other. It's um where we get our mobile phones and mobile phone operating systems from. It's all just a few key players. Uh, he's he's the guy with the blue hair, right? I I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. I saw him in one scene. He had a like a trench coat on and and the boots. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool. This guy um did all that before uh before the Matrix came out and made it uh, even more popular. Of course, when he said that quote, I think he uh ditched the blue hair. Ah, right. Yeah, that's uh near the end of the of the documentary. Yeah, but yeah, I found that that part um particularly uh dead on and prophetic. Uh, I love how these guys they go off they go out of their way they they give up a lot of a large part of their lives to to build this stuff you know uh, it's it's just great it's that that hard work that dedication you know it's uh, it's almost like they they build a family uh within the company and uh, and they treat each other as such um that's that's just something that uh that's really neat uh, and um I <laughs> someday uh I I'd, I'd like to to have that kind of feeling too um you know either through friends or you know coworkers and things like that but uh but yeah i i just uh i love that and and you can you can see that everybody worked really really hard uh to get the code out there and um and if it wasn't for them for them we wouldn't have firefox and lots and lots of people use firefox today and it's not just firefox it's what firefox represented back then and what mozilla represented back then open web standards um i mean back then there were so many just ie specific things that you had to do when you were a a web developer and they really pushed hard for making the web more much more uh standards based and without them i don't while they're while 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 Firefox no longer has the market share that they used to, um, we still owe a lot of how the web is now to them. Yes, and actually, I was exclusively using Firefox back then. I remember not even bothering with Internet Explorer. As soon as Firefox came out, I was using it. Before that, I was using Mozilla, and before that, I was using Netscape. So I was um, uh, all about using alternative browsers rather than Internet Explorer. So um, in that documentary, we got to see, uh, you know, a key player, uh, Mark Andreessen. And he was in it very little, but um, but I had seen him before in other documentaries and I had read about him, uh, you know, one of the co-founders of, of Netscape. And uh, just to see, to me, he's like a, a living legend, you know, in the computer world. So, um, you know, him's uh, not as known, of course, but you know, still he, he was important. Um, you know, probably not as influential as Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak, but, uh, still, I think he was quite important. Um, well, after that, um, one, one documentary that we did watch together was, uh, Revolution OS, which Jamie had mentioned as well. Um, what did you think of that documentary, Chris? I was disappointed. I I was especially disappointed because, I've put so much um, time and effort and devotion um, towards open source software and making my living with open source software. I mean, um, I 
live and breathe uh, Linux. And I make my money using Linux and supporting Linux. And I think that the history itself is rich, but the attempt at making a documentary about it was very poorly executed. I did not find it... Um, I don't know. I think it was honestly a... That documentary was a, a disservice to the open source movement with how they portrayed everything. I think anyone who knew nothing about Linux and open source software, if they watched it, they would come away from, from it. If, um, if, if they didn't have any opinion, they might walk away from it with a, a negative opinion. Um, I have to agree with you. It wasn't my favorite documentary. It was probably my least favorite. Um, it was very, uh, uh, I don't know if dry is the right word for it, but it was, it was kind of, it was quite boring actually for me. Um, I was hoping to see some, uh, some great facts about the, about Linux, uh, maybe, maybe showing some of the earlier versions, showing the prototype, uh, you know, the beta stages of Linux before, uh, the, you know, the kernel, before it actually, uh, went off to version 1.0 and, and just the various stages. And I wanted to know more about the various components that got added on to the kernel and maybe Linus speak a little bit more towards that and his early experience and his challenges on getting uh, this kernel out. And um, it just, it wasn't really like that at all. They focused a lot on licensing and, and open source, uh, just, uh, just open source and, and free uh, software. So uh, they focused too much on that. I, I wanted to more to know more about the tech details behind the, the operating system and instead, I felt like I was just watching legalese. Um, so that's uh, that was my gripe. I didn't learn much about Linux at all. Well, um, I I guess that was a hard one though, because if they got too technical, it would just go over people's heads. Um, I mean, if if they just started spouting off um, all the nitty gritty bits about how the kernel works, um, that that would put me to sleep too. And Really, what what did come out of it is the open source movement, which central to that is the GNU public license, and that is a bunch of uh, legalese, and that is created to maintain Stallman's four definitions of freedom when it comes to software. So maybe it's not that it was poorly executed, maybe it's just that as beneficial and influential as that was, it's much more interesting when you're in the middle of it than when you're watching a documentary about it. And maybe there's just not a way to make an engaging documentary about it. Maybe just that history doesn't lend itself to an engaging, enthralling story like uh, like Code Rush was or Triumph of the Nerd was. Triumph of the Nerds was. But I still wanted to learn more about about Linux itself, um, I didn't really get a chance to learn much of anything, and and I feel like when I'm watching a documentary, I I want to learn. I, you know, if it if it, if it has a, a name, a title like Revolution OS, yeah, I'm thinking, oh boy, Linux, yes, I don't know much about it. I want to learn. Yeah, you're Tell right. me the history. Tell me the challenges. Things like that. They and and they did leave out a lot. Like they they left out that. Um, Linus wanted to, um, uh, the inspiration for Linux was an operating system called, uh, 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 Minix. That's 
was kind of what he used as a model. Um, they could have at least read off some of that initial, um, I, I forget if, if it was an email or a message group posting where he announced, you know, hey, I have this thing and come and help out with it. And um, and they featured the free software song way too prominently. I don't care how you cover that song. It is just a bad song. Just, <laughs> uh, just I didn't such know a bad that song. was a real thing. I think the most, I I think the most enjoyable thing that I got out of it was making fun of Eric S. Raymond's mustache. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was hard to ignore. And <laughs> Eric S. Raymond, if somehow you ever do happen to listen to this podcast, I'm sorry, and I acknowledge your contributions to the open source community. Um, I just couldn't look away from your mustache. Yeah, you. Again, I'm it sorry. It would have been great if you would have just kind of shaved it off for the documentary. But, uh, you know, no problem. You know, just, just saying. <laughs> uh, you're still awesome in our book. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, that takes us actually to our last uh, documentary. And like I said earlier, we watched it a long time ago, uh, back when we were in college. And Chris watched it last week. Uh, I had also seen it when I was uh, much younger. Um, I believe I was in middle school because the documentary is uh, pretty old um, and I'm kind of old. So, uh, so Triumph of the Nerds, uh, was hosted by Bob Crinchley, whom is a, is an excellent host. He actually, uh, he's been in the industry for quite a long time. Uh, I believe he may have started off somewhere in the seventies, uh, that I'm not a hundred percent sure on, but, uh, what I do know is that the, that the documentary itself kind of walks you through the history. Um, it goes from the early beginnings of computers to kind of what made that uh, that's, that that revolution happen That for home PCs, uh, home computers. Uh, he walks you through the Apple II years and then Microsoft's rise and IBM's interested and interest. Uh, so then they, you know, they released their PC version, the XT and... Um, the PC, I don't know if they went over the PC Junior actually, but uh, definitely their first uh, their first PC. Um, and then they go over a few other a few other companies. They talk about a few other uh, companies, and then the release of uh, Windows, and then finally with Windows ninety five, um, they have various hosts. Uh, actually, various what do you call that, Chris? Uh, when somebody's in the uh, guest host, they had various guest hosts in the show. Uh, like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and a few others. So uh, pretty famous, pretty famous people in the industry. And um, it's just great to, it's just great to watch. It has a really good, uh, it, it has really good momentum. It just, it, it keeps you interested. It keeps you engaged. Bob Cringely will talk about his personal experience in the industry and while that revolution was going on. So uh, it's one of those documentaries I highly recommend to anybody even remotely interested in computers. Yeah, it starts way back at the Altair, and yeah, it goes straight up to the late 90s, and they have so much time with so many influential influential people, like you said. Um, among those, in addition to who you mentioned, were Steve Wozniak, um, Gary Kildall, um, think even yeah uh gordon moore was in there of moore's law from intel all right from intel uh larry ellison oh and um larry ellison said something that um i really agree with and while 
I really don't like Oracle or get the point of their existence and honestly really dislike them <laughs> for messing up everything that was good about Sun after they bought them. He did say one thing that I highly agree with, and this was when the internet first started taking off. He said, I'm going to paraphrase, and keep in mind this was back in the 90s when, when he still bought software in boxes. Uh, currently, people make software and then they... And it's just bits, and people take those bits, and they press them onto a disc, and then they put those bits in a box, and then we drive to the store, and we buy those bits in the box, and then we put those, bo- those bits in our computer off that plastic disc, and it's just stupid. We should, we, we should just be downloading everything. And of course, his plans was to somehow make Oracle uh, the main way where you download all of your software and really monetize off of that. But with the exception of uh, uh, video games and owning those video games so I can play them later... I really don't like physical media. I really never have. And so now the way that we can just stream things on Netflix or download things uh, legally or illegally, it just makes life so much easier. And he was really on the ball with that idea. Yeah, that's another one of those uh, prophetic moments that these documentaries have uh, is these people that can really see the future. Um, So they're pretty ahead of their time when they... When they say things like that, uh, the good thing is that they're in the industry. They're shaping it so they can make it happen. Um, so that um, that was pretty neat. And that was probably my favorite documentary out of all of these. Tribe of the Nerds is is absolutely a, a must watch. Uh, next to Computer Chronicles, of course. <laughs> Do you want to talk about uh, Computer Chronicles? Computer Chronicles. It's um, not sure. te- technically a documentary, but it's a long running series that does document right um i believe the documentary started in the early 80s i don't recall the exact year but uh and and it ended i think in 2001 2002 yeah something like that so it's it's a long running series they were on uh public television and they chronicled the um the, the computing industry and everything that it did and they weren't afraid to really get into uh nitty gritty technical details and they had a lot of influential people on a lot of influential people and gary kildall who wrote cpm uh the first 8-bit um 8-bit operating system was the co-host for the longest time right yeah um until sadly he passed away uh but but yeah him and um him and Stuart Chaffee, uh did a fantastic job in the show um and i love their demos they would they would bring up their machine and you know, and and then I guess just pray that it worked. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but everything seemed to work. Uh, um, some well, okay, let me take that back. Sometimes, most of the time. In an interview with Leo Laporte on Triangulation, he has Stuart Chaffee on, and he was talking about um, when they were demoing the um, an Apple laser printer, and it caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was just one of the ones that we know about. Yeah, imagine how many other times things happened um i mean they were they were showing off you know really cool stuff i think they they i think in 19 what was it 85 or 86 uh when the 386 had just come out they were talking about it already on the show and, and demoing it and then the pentium and the internet and uh, windows 95 and then windows nt and all kinds of stuff I mean, really the show was great uh they even had um action jack on action jack <laughs> Jack Tremel. I know you like Action Jack. Yeah. 
So they, it was, it was neat. I mean, it's a show that's a, it's a 30 minutes each segment, each show. And, um, and at the end, they usually ended with, uh, the, um, kind of like the news. Random access. That was relevant to the time. Random access, right. And then we just talk about, uh, uh, the latest things going on in the, uh, industry. So great show. I think, uh, random access was one of my favorite parts too. Especially when they would have um, the the top ten software list for um, either for the Mac or for the PC, and for uh, hell, f- maybe five years running After Dark screensavers was at the top of that list. Oh right, After Dark screensaver with the little toaster in the wings. Yep. <laughs> I also loved uh, 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 cringing at the exorbitantly high prices um, of things back then, like. Uh, one time they were demoing a, a find utility for the early Macintosh uh, that would let you find files and search the text uh, within files because that wasn't built into the operating system. And it cost only $50. 50 That was in... Back then money. Yeah, back then money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had all, uh, uh, some other stuff too. Um, some of the PCs were running at three, $4,000. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, early modems and... Yeah, yeah, it was the the prices back then. Jeez, in back then money. And I loved how they would always, um, how they would always uh, start the show in the early '80s ones. Uh, first, they had wood paneling everywhere, uh, wood paneling and computerized text. That's how you knew it was high tech. And they would always start off in a dark room where they would just be just staring at nothing. And it's like, oh, hello, we've just been sitting here in this dark room doing nothing, just sitting, <laughs> waiting. Oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> Didn't see you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a great show. Um, they're all on YouTube as well. I think you just have to search for Computer Chronicles, and there's a uh, a channel that you can subscribe to and um, and then watch them all there. If you, if you want to watch them at the definitive source, you can watch them on archive.org, where Stuart Chaffee himself uploaded them to. That's even better. Um, I haven't seen any other documentaries uh, recently that had to deal with uh, computers. Uh, I'm still looking for some, and I'm going to go through Jamie's list and uh, maybe watch some other ones. And, uh, and yeah, because they're all fun, you know, in one way or another. Definitely. Except Revolution OS. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jamie. Uh, we just didn't really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um I think that's it for this show. Yep, I guess uh, it's time to go and uh, prep for the hurricane. If um, if we make it to episode number seventeen, you'll know we survived. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's see. If you would like to leave the podcast any feedback, give us uh, episodes uh, suggestions, like Jamie was so kind to do, or would like to correct us on anything, or Give us some positive feedback. That would be great, too. Um, you can contact us on our Facebook page. Just search for Fork Bomb Podcast or via Twitter at Fork Bomb Podcast. Or you can send us an email to ForkBombPodcast at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thanks again, Euro. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Good night. Bye-bye.